This is Twa Teams One Street from the Evening Telegraph. The only podcast as obsessed with Dundee and Dundee United as you are. On this episode, we discuss Scotland's crucial trip to face England at Wembley, talk Charlie Mulgrew in at Dundee United, and who is the Dundee Derby favourite. Hello and welcome to another edition of Twa Teams One Street. I'm Callum Woodger and as ever, I am joined by George Grant. Hello. And Graham Finnan is here too. Hello everyone. And we are also joined by former Dundee, Dundee United and Scotland international Lee Wilkie. Hi, how are you doing? Not bad mate, I am. We've got Lee on um, to talk about Scotland, of course. We need someone who's qualified to talk about the... Uh, qualified disaster that was Monday uh, afternoon, the first major tournament in 23 years. The nation was pumped up, we were all ready to go. Um, 12,500 in Hamden, people skiving work, taking time off work, kids watching the game in school. Um, and then we put in that display um, to another defeat to the Czech Republic in our Group D opener at Hamden. Lee, what did you make of it? It was quite a frustrating sort of watch at times just because. You know, typical sort of Scotland. I think we, we did create chances, and there was, in that in that sense, it was there wasn't much in it. But then I, I just I was a bit frustrated before the game when I sort of heard the, the team line up and Adams wasn't starting. I just thought to myself, you know, I just really wanted him to play. So um, it was a bit of a downer just hearing that he wasn't in the team. And uh, I just think yeah, it was a bit of a hard luck story again. Obviously. The difference really at the end of the day was the quality. The quality in the striker, um, Sheik, who scored the two goals for Czech Republic, was his first header was just, you know, really top class. And obviously the second goal was just uh, unbelievable as well. Like, you know, so I think that at the end of the day probably was the difference. There was a little bit more quality in the Czech Republic team than there was in the Scottish team. But again, you can't sort of you can't sort of have a go at Scotland for showing a lack of attitude or determination, but it's just at the end of the day, the quality just wasn't quite there. Yeah, because there was quite a few chances, wasn't there, George? I mean, Andy Robertson was, was getting forward down the left-hand side quite well, and Lyndon Dykes was sort of, the, the ball was sort of sticking to him, but do, do you think the, the team selection maybe wasn't the right one from Steve Clark going into that game, that first game where you thought, we need to win this to have any chance of getting through? From uh, The big surprise I I, I found in the, in the, obviously, seeing Tierney, not being mm-hmm. there was uh, a kick in the a kick in the stones, I guess. Um, he's been so good for us, but I was a bit surprised to see Ryan Christie uh, starting. Not that I mean, he's a fantastic player, but he's he's not had a fantastic season. He's not really been in form uh, of late with Celtic, um, and nobody at Celtic's really been in form. Uh, but that's that's what surprised me. That I think it was more rewarding the guys that had, had got us to the. The tournament, yeah. which is just a good thing, I suppose. It's commendable from Steve Clark. That just didn't quite work. I think we needed to. I, th- I agree with Lee with uh, Che Adams. I think he's he's our best attacker, uh, best threat, biggest threat. That was the, that was the big problem we didn't, didn't really have uh, was having a real threat. Because I was looking at the, I've just had got the stats in front of me. We had nineteen attempts. Which is remarkable, really, for our Scotland team. We we haven't really scored many goals yeah, we, for a while. We, we were playing really well. Aye, it was just we can put it in the net. And they had a boy, Leverkusen spent twenty five million on last summer. Yeah, uh, and he could score from anywhere. Obviously, uh, <laughs> sadly, but um, I I think if we were still playing now, we still wouldn't have scored. Mm-hmm. 
No, you do get that feeling, and and obviously the timing of the first goal isn't great. Just before half time, a, a terrific header is as Lee quite rightly points out, Bear. But the the second goal was an absolute worldie, wasn't it? But if anyone is to blame for that goal, um, for you, who, who's at fault? I know you're probably going to say Jack Henry because <laughs> of goalkeepers' union and all that. But um, obviously Jack Henry takes the the kind of pot shot, the ball breaks, and and Schick sort of uh, lobs David Marshall from about 45, 50 yards. Um, was, was Marshall too far off his line or, or does yeah, Henry have to yeah. take the blame for that? I think I think every, that's the way you look at it, isn't it? That's the way everyone's looking at it. Who, who's to blame? And, you know, it's, it's unfortunate because I think it's a sensational goal yeah. from Schick, you know, just to assess the situation so quickly and to execute the effort to perfection like that. It really is top, top class. I mean... I think I think you you could point the finger of, of blame at, at both Henry and and Marshall in the modern game. I mean, when you see it from behind the goal, Marshall is a mile out of his box. And I would never have been out there unless it was you know the referee blowing for half time or something like that. You know, you just wouldn't be that far up <laughs> yeah. the park. But to be fair, you were just exactly, telling a story last week about how you scored a goal, Bear. Yeah, <laughs> that, that was desperation. That's desperation. We're not going. We're not going on that one. Again. But uh, yeah, but I think in the modern era, you know. Keepers are encouraged to play, you know, effectively as a last line, and you play close up to to your defenders. Yeah. And he was relatively. I mean, he was about twenty yards, thirty yards behind, you know, the defensive line. But for that to happen, I mean, you sure you could put, you could look at Henry and see, sure he's got he's got to knock the ball wide to, for O'Donnell. O'Donnell's in acres of space yeah. down the right and to get across into the box. But maybe that's that's Jack Henry all over, isn't it? You know, Jack Henry's a central defender who thinks he could play anywhere on the park sometimes, you know, and, and have a strike from sort of 30 yards and, and, and knock it in the net was maybe a bit ambitious. And it came back to haunt him, un, un, unfortunately. But um, I think Lee touched on it right at the start. It's all about quality. And we're talking about a boy, Schick, who's, you know, his, his list of clubs is, is, is quite strong. He's at Bayer Leverkusen, you know, he's been at Roma, he's been at Sampdoria, he's been at RB Leipzig. You know, we've got, yeah. no disrespect, we've got Lyndon Dykes, who's played for, Gold Coast City or whatever it was, Queen of the South Livingston and QPR. You know, it's no, it's no, ro- it's, it's no rocket science. Obviously, the biggest club there is Livingston. So, um, you know, so uh, <laughs> it's no rocket science that you get that sort of quality fans. But what, the overall picture from the game, uh, everybody's really depressed about it. But I actually thought Scotland created, as, as uh, George touched on, the amount of chances they created, it's all about taking those chances now unfortunately they played Luxembourg in a friendly prior to this and they missed a barrel of chances mm. in that game and they've missed other ones in that game against the Czech Republic now this the great thing is it's tournament football they're still in it sure as, as, as John McGinn said after the game we're going to have to do the hard way and they are going to have to do the hard way but one thing they're going to have to do is for sure is when the chances come along they're going to have to bury them you know you're not going to get away with missing chances against quality opposition because if you do that then you end up on the wrong side of the result. And that's exactly what happened to Steve Clark's team. And it's given him, you know, a real a real mountain mountain to climb um, going forward. We'll uh, we'll move on from this second goal soon because Bears Vendetta for Jack Henry is getting out of control here. It's it's getting vicious <laughs> minute by minute, um week week by week on this podcast. But um I was listening to I think it was Rob Green last night, mm-hmm. um, the former England goalkeeper, and he was saying that quite rightly, as you say, the modern day keeper is playing as a sweeper keeper quite yep, high up the pitch. Yep. Um Lee, is that something that even, I mean, you, you didn't finish playing that long ago, about 10, 11 years ago. Was that something that was, is, is really new or was it was it something that maybe Bertie Volks was telling Rob Douglas to do back in the day or or no? <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's, it's definitely came into the game a lot, um, more so the past 10 years. But even when I was, I remember playing against uh, France under 21s, you know, so that was obviously a good while ago. And their, their goalkeeper was like a sweeper, mm-hmm. basically got involved with all the build-up play 
had a really good passer and a really good ping. And he would, as I say, get involved. They would rotate the ball, not just through the defenders and the centre-halves, but back into the keepers. So, yeah, I think uh, a lot of fun, you know, teams have been doing it um, the past 20 years or so. So it's become more so in the, in the game. But then, uh, one for one, you know, Scotland don't play like that, really. Mm-hmm. So, and there was... You know, I don't know what benefit Marshall is getting from being that high up the park. I mean, he could he could have been ten yards deeper, and still have been in a position where he could have received the ball from a defender if he needed an option, or if the ball was over the top. But for him to be that high, I just don't I don't see what he gains from that. Um, so that was maybe he just switched off, and he was just sort of walking up the park and just, as I say, switched off for a few seconds and found himself basically on the edge of this, the centre circle, which is amazing, really, you know. So I don't think anybody would have guessed what was going to happen next. But no. I think Jack Henry's obviously had a little bit of stick, but he's he's been confident enough. He's just went and hit the bar pre, prior to that. Yeah, exactly. He's obviously mm-hmm. fancying himself, you know, to, to have a wee pot shot. And maybe, you know, if it went in the top corner, everybody would have been saying how much a great strike it was. But, you know, obviously, unfortunately for Scotland, it, it ended up, uh, you know, Fallen straight to strike, and he's he's had that in his head prior because he did say after the game that he'd noticed that Marshall was a little bit high off his mm-hmm. line yeah. previously. So he, he's decided just to have a pot shot, and it's just felt perfect for him. And he's just took it in his stride and hit it first time. And I think as well, if he he's almost hit it perfect, you know, if he's obviously put it a little bit too much on it, it's going over the bar, puts not enough on it, and Marshall might get a hand to it. So it's just absolutely perfect from him. But um, I'm trying to stick up for Jack Henry, but obviously being an ex-defender, you know what I mean, <laughs> getting knife into the keepers here. But <laughs> I think, um, uh, yeah, I can see why keepers are higher nowadays, but no, that high. It, it doesn't need to be that high to, to be an influential in the game. He'll not be that high again in a game, that's for sure. <laughs> I was just <laughs> going to say that if he, gets, yeah, if he gets picked for Friday, he'll definitely he'll be on his rooted on his goal line, I think. Exactly. <laughs> Well, I think that'll tell us, though. I think uh, it'll tell us if he was if he was following instructions. Then I think he'll still be in goal. If he was a walk, he was going a bit walkabout. Then I think Gordon will be in. I think mm. that I think that mm-hmm. might just tell us. Yeah. Uh, if he was doing what he was told uh, to the letter, or, or if he just kind of switched off, as, as Lee says, and, and took a bit of a wander. Yeah, I think Clark. Mm. I think Clark's backed him. Sorry, I think he's backed him up after the game and said these things happen. Yeah. So I think it would be pretty harsh if he then went about and sort of dropped him for Friday. So I think we'll mm-hmm. see him in the goal uh-huh. Friday and hopefully... I mean, he pulled off some good saves against Czech yeah. Republic, so he was having a, yeah, a half-decent well. game, really, you know, <laughs> yeah. So you, you take out that second goal and he, he was one of the better performers. So I think from that uh-huh. point of view, you should sort of give him another chance. Go, no surprises with Lee sticking up for the centre-half and Bear sticking up for the goalie. Yep. Um, <laughs> you're alluding to the, the team selection. I, th- I thought the striker was great. To be <laughs> oh, you're not a striker, George. You're just a big Dunhamer. That's the problem. Um, <laughs> the problem is that's what we've got up front. We'll talk about the team selection for, for Friday as well. Um, who, who should get the nod against England? Will there be changes, do you think, Bear? Obviously, we mentioned it before. Kieran Tierney um, was a big miss for us um, yeah. on Monday. He's, he's in a bit of a race to be fit now. He, he surely has to come straight back in if he's fit. Yeah, I, I would think so. I mean, there's a clamour for wholesale changes, you know. I'm not, I'm not so sure about that. Um, we're still in this tournament. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're, you're not really wanting to shuffle the pack too much and, and, and take gambles with lots of players. But I think Tierney's a stick-on. If he's fit, 
he's got to play. He, he is a he, he's one of the players in the team who can be regarded as being certainly one of the top players in Europe at this point in time. Um, and he he links it well with Andy Robertson mm. as well. So you've got that. It's just how it's how you set up. I think you know. I think the disappointing thing for me was that he decided on to go with one striker on on uh, Monday there. You know and. That's not the way we really should have started. I thought we should have been right on the front foot and, and really gone for it. I think when you saw Chi Adams introduced in the second half, although the Czech Republic started the brighter early doors in the second half, I looked as though Scotland were getting well on top. You know, in, in that 10-minute period before the boy comes up with the wonder goal, which I've got to say takes the wind right out of their sails mm-hmm. at that point. But, um, yeah, Tierney, I would, su- I would su- suggest, would come back with maybe one or two others um, a few of the players maybe looking a wee bit of Jerry. He might try to change the formation, but I've got a sneaking suspicion he still may only play one up front. Steve mm-hmm. Clark will probably go into this game on Friday thinking a point is a good result, and he'd be right. Mm-hmm. A point would give them a, a foothold in the group, and then they've got a home game against Croatia. It's a tough tough ask. But here, I always believe we can beat anyone at Hamden. We've proved that in the past. We can lose to anyone at Hamden as well, I've got to say. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, if you, you, you just get yourself... What, what you do is you get yourself a foothold in the group, and you take it from there. So I don't see sort of Steve Clark going gung-ho, and that's why I think there might still might only be one up front against against English. George, is this a must-win for Scotland if we're to progress from the group? Obviously, we're, we're bottom as it stands and um, heading down to, to Wembley to, to play England. First game in a major championship since Euro 96. It's a it's a tasty one, but um, a, lot, a lot of pressure on us now. Aye, there's a wee bit of pressure, but I don't think it's must-win. I think with the third place getting through one of the best third places mm. I mean four points will do mm. you in previous tournaments three points is done enough although our goal difference is against us now I would say uh, I think the I think the last tournament did Portugal get through with three draws I think they did I think. Oh, yeah and went to win uh, it so still so hope zero goal difference <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> well I'm not going that far <laughs> but uh, I'm a wee bit worried for Friday uh, but I don't think Steve Clark will make that many changes, I have to say. I think he might stick with quite a few of the guys. If Tierney's half fit, he's gonna he's he's got to play. Um I think he maybe put at I don't know, will he want a target man up front with Dykes again? It's tricky. I I would prefer Adams up front, uh, if he's gonna go with one. Because, um, to be honest, looking at that England team, their attack is scary. Mm. Even the guys coming off the bench is, is quite scary, but I think their backline can. I, I don't think their backline's that great. If you look at the other teams in the in the competition, um, so I, I think we have to try and get at them somehow. We have to find a way to to hurt them up the pitch rather than sitting the, the whole time. But I, I get the feeling we may be sitting back and trying try to hit in the break. Um, I would like to see some changes, but I, I get the feeling that it may be quite a similar team. Uh, maybe a couple of changes. Yeah. What did you make of England against uh, Croatia, Lee? Did you did you like the look of Gareth Southgate team, or, or are we just going to go and absolutely scud them? No, I think uh, I was mo- I was impressed by <laughs> I was impressed by England. I wasn't really impressed by Croatia, which I think should give us mm. a little bit of confidence for those games because I agree agree with George and Graham that you know the um, if we go and we're to able, you know get a draw against England and then go and beat Croatia and then you're sitting there with four points and England go and sort of beat Czech Republic as well then you're sitting you could potentially finish second you know if that happens and I think Croatia 
they're obviously a good side. They've got some good players, but they're they're not the team they used to be. Um, mm. And I, I wasn't very impressed with them against England. So I just think and the English team scares me a little bit for Friday sometimes, you know, because you've got guys like Sterling who wasn't in great form, but then again shows why he's so dangerous and why he's an English team. Guys like Foden on, on the other side and the bench they've got that they could bring on. There's just so many attacking options that I, I agree. I think I don't think uh, Clark will make too many changes. I think he'll keep a similar shape. I hope he brings Adams in instead of Dykes. Um, I think O'Donnell really struggled for confidence in the first game against Czech Republic, mm-hmm. but I think purely because um, of the attacking threat from England, I think he'll stay in the team if Tierney's fit, because Tierney is, is a good defender, but he's also a good attacking option from that yeah. sort of position as well. And, you know, Cooper sits a, sits a little bit, uh, so it was a little bit more defensive against Czech Republic. But I think when you bring Tierney in, you've got an extra attacking option. So then does that mean you can bring Forrest in on the other side and have another attacking player? I don't think he'll do that. I think he'll still be quite cautious and, and stable with Donald if Tierney comes into the team. So uh, fingers crossed Tierney's in and fingers crossed Adams is in the team as well. Yeah, those are the two big ones. It seems plenty of uh, big decisions to make for for Steve Clark before the game on on Friday night. Um, I just I love the the confidence of all of you guys that we can just uh, be content with a point against England and then go and beat uh, the the World <laughs> finalists Croatia and Hamden on the last day. It totally sounds like Scotland, the Scotland team that I know. Um, <laughs> but uh, we're, we're through. We're through I think being the now. underdogs might suit us though. Not think mm. really. I, th- I think yeah. it suits us far better than people expecting us to go and win. I think it always has done. Yeah, I mean, we do have a history of that, don't we? Like upsetting big teams, like yeah. um, you know, beating France and whatever, and, and running teams like I mean, just running Spain close, running running Germany close in recent years as well. And yeah, I mean, we do have that in our locker. It's just uh, I don't think you want to be going into that that last um, game needing to get three points. No. I'd rather you know you'd rather go down to Wembley and have the big party and the shock result, and then come up and. Um, you know, you know, know what you need to do against Croatia to out. get through, sort of thing. <laughs> go out, right? But that's, I just want to be England. That's the truth. That's the truth of it all. I just want to be England. <laughs> um, obviously, we're, we're through match day one now. We've seen all the teams uh, once, um, as we record on on a Wednesday. The, the second uh, round of matches are starting. I'm just going to quickly go around um, and ask you what your your sort of highlight has been so far before we before we move on. Uh, start with yourself, Bear. What's been your your favourite moment of the the sort of opening matches? We've seen some some decent games, some games mm-hmm. that haven't been um, so exciting. We've, we've seen some great goals, um, some big incidents. What's what's really stood out for you so far from you know twenty twenty? Well, I mean, it's, it's the favourite moment and it's the worst moment as well. It's it's, it's Schick's goal at Hamden Park. You know, it's just <laughs> yeah, it's certainly sensational. Well, what a signal for for Scotland because any Schickner. momentum that we're yeah. taking is as I said. Uh, yeah, Schickner, that's, that's exactly it, George. But Schickner, and uh, as Sean Connery used to say, um, <laughs> I just knocked it, I knocked the stuffing out of Scotland, and they hadn't have been particularly bad, you know. So, yeah, but all credit to the lad, fantastic, fantastic, real, real quality. George, what about yourself? Strangely, I absolutely loved the opening ceremony. I thought that was fantastic, yeah. <laughs> which is not <laughs> usual. And, and then that random car. The ball. That was a bit of a yeah, strange. That was good. Ah, yeah. Is that is that come back out again? I've not seen it again. No, it's not appeared again, which weird. is a strange. I don't know. I don't know what's happened to it. Like maybe it's in for a service or something. But uh, no, it was, uh, <laughs> it was certainly very interesting. Um, no, George, George, um, can I just say what a sad person you are? You watched the opening <laughs> ceremony. <laughs> but have you not got anything else going on in your life? <laughs> 
No. <laughs> that was me hiding from the baby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lee, what about yourself? Let's let's bring us back to reality here. What what's stood out for you so far? We've had Scotland getting beat in the opening ceremony, so that's that's good. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, that wasn't what, quite what I was expecting from the guys, but yeah, it's. Um, I I actually really quite enjoyed watching Italy in the first game. Mm-hmm. I I thought they were really good. Um, not quite what you normally maybe expect from an Italian team, but I thought the, the, the just a really good team display. Um, I think they'll be quite good this this competition, but. Um, I think as well the the Holland game. I enjoyed watching that yeah. as a neutral, you know, because it was back to front. It was loads of chances. Um, so hopefully their games are all like that because that's what you want to see. I think a lot of the games have been quite cautious in the first first half, but then that there was about sort of three or four really good chances in the first four minutes in that game. So it's uh, perfect for the for the the neutral sort of fan. Yeah, no, I agree with you on that. I was going to say the the Holland Ukraine game. It felt like a real tournament game, didn't it? Three two, fantastic goals. Uh, Andrei Yarmolenko was was an absolute peach. Um, and I've also have to say, I've enjoyed Alan McCoy's commentary, which was <laughs> totally expected after the World Cup. He was, he was brilliant at the World Cup. So um, every time that he's involved in a game, doesn't matter who's playing, uh, I'll, be, I'll be sitting there watching him 100%. So um, hopefully the tournament picks up a little bit for Scotland um, on Friday night and we can, we can go into Croatia next week and, and still be within a chance of progressing. Um, but it is Twa Team's one street after all, so we're going to move on and talk about Dundee United. Yes, starting off at Tanadice, Dundee United um, have had, again, quite a quite a busy week. Obviously, they, they, they appointed Tam Courts as the, the new boss last week, and he's made his first signing. He's brought in former Scotland skipper and Celtic star Charlie Mulgrew on a two-year deal. George, what do you make of that signing? Is it a is it a, it's a it's an encouraging sign? I suppose it's a, it's a strong, experienced player to be bringing in for your your first acquisition at a new club. He's a good player. I've always liked Charlie Charlie Mulgrew. I have to say, um, I think I think he was great for Scotland as well for over a number of years in different kind of positions. He was he was one of these kind of defenders that could play. Um, I like it. I mean, he is thirty five and it's a two year deal, which concerns me a little bit. Um, but I like the idea behind it. If they're uh, obviously United's big focus is going to be on youth, yeah, get the young players in, have an experienced head in there. Um, but I, I mean, interesting to see how they use him. Whether he's in straight as a, as a straight centre back, or he, he might be in the in the midfield anchoring that, or, mm-hmm. or might, I'm not sure he, he would play left back these days. Uh, his age, but I'm interested to see how they utilise him in in the team. I, I think the dressing room is going to be a big part of bringing him in, but um, how he fits into that team, I'll have to wait and see. It'll be interesting. Yeah, he's certainly got bags and bags of experience, Lee, um, especially at a club uh, United, which, as we know, over the last season or so, have been trying to develop a lot of their own young talent, guys like Kerr Smith, Lewis Nielsen. They can only benefit, really, from having a guy with his sort of pedigree in the game coming in. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I think that's exactly it. That's the reason they've brought them in. They've, they've, they've not made a, a secret over their, uh, the way forward with, with regards to the young kids and stuff. So they've got to... The important thing for this season is obviously getting that balance between the youngsters that are wanting to progress in the first team and obviously the yeah. the experience that's going to be around them. And I suppose you can't really get much better than Mulgrew, you know, for somebody who, as George said, can play 
a couple of different positions. You obviously he won't want to be playing full back at thirty five going on thirty six <laughs> as well either. Like you know, so I imagine you'll be you'll find yourself at centre half or, or uh, defensive midfielder or something like that, just trying to control control things a little bit. So yeah, just uh, for, I think the only question mark is his age and whether he's got the legs to go and play for two years, but. He obviously feels that he has. Uh, the manager obviously feels that he, he's he's going to give something for the next two years. So again, I think it'll just be the balance. They've obviously got a lot of question marks over players. Um, you know, Edwards, Re- um, Reynolds, Shanklin, Seagrass. You know, so mm-hmm. it's going to be a tough or an interesting sort of few weeks for for Dungeon United just to see how the the deal with potentially losing players and who they're going to bring in. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, you mentioned, you know, will he play for the next two years? I think part of the uh, plan here is to is to move Charlie into sort of the coaching side of things, maybe in the, in the second season a bit more, um, mm-hmm. with the hope that maybe one of these young guys has came through and sort of cemented their, uh, you know, first team slot, whether that's in the midfield or defence, whatever, Charlie comes in and plays. Um, but Bear, I suppose, I mean, with, with Tam Court's being promoted from the Youth Academy, I think a lot of fans are maybe concerned that he was just going to play a bunch of kids, but this signing sort of negates that worry, doesn't it? And... and it's, it's a real show of intent from from the club. Yeah. Like you know, we are going to try and be competitive. We're not just going to try and have a season where we stay up and develop youngsters. No, and I think you have to take your hat off to you know those in power at, at Dundee United. You know, we've heard the financial issues that there's been at the club and are ongoing, but uh, they managed to get Charlie in. And Charlie's, regardless if he's thirty five, he'll still command a decent wage coming north of the border for two years. Mm-hmm. So credit to owners uh, for for stumping up for that, and he brings like the guys have said a wealth of experience. It can only be good for people at the club. And the good thing is, I mean, we've seen what uh, you know what Charlie Adam brought to Dundee over the past season. So that's a couple of Charlies now we've got in <laughs> you know the two yeah. stadiums. So uh, fingers crossed. But I'm sure Charlie will bring a similar you know a similar attitude. And it's not just about you know it's not just about match day. It's it, it's what he does. You know, throughout the week on the training ground, that everything rubs off on the young players and how he conducts himself, and uh, that can only be a benefit for United going forward. Yeah, there's been a few other names linked with um, United over the last week or so. St. Mons midfielder uh, Jake Doyle Hayes, he's, he's you know, his contract's expired in in Paisley now, but he's he's free to speak to other clubs. Twenty two, formerly of Aston Villa, he's a the Republic of Ireland um, youth international. George, um, a, a player that you think you, you know that's the kind of age and talent that United uh, should be looking at for maybe long term um, rather than a guy like Mulgrew coming in just for you know for a bit of experience yeah it definitely seems like the the kind of type of player that they're looking looking for obviously you must have seen more of him than, than I have I've been <laughs> stuck in the championship for the past few seasons uh, what's, what was he like for some minutes? I'm glad you've thrown that back to me because, like, the natural flow of being the presenter is just like bat all the rubbish towards you and let you talk about it. But yeah, no, I know a little <laughs> bit about him, and uh, yeah, you know, it was only it was only me that broke the story. But yeah, um, <laughs> no, he's, I mean, he's he's. Uh, I have to say, like, when he when he first uh, rocked up at Saman, like, I knew absolutely nothing about him. But you know, you look at his, his career, mm. and he'd been at Aston Villa, and you think he's played for Ireland at Youth International. Must be something about him. But yeah, there's so many times you've seen guys come up and totally flop. Um, but he was he was he was very different. Um, he was he was brilliant. He was sort of him coming through the door coincided with St. Mun sort of turning their season around from being scrapping at the bottom against relegation to sort of pushing towards the top six. And um, yeah, really nice holding midfielder. And uh, you know he's not going to set the header light with goals and assists. But 
Um, he, he's a kind of a player you could build around in the centre of that park if you've got a destroyer like a Fuchs or a Butcher and then you maybe want to, um, someone who's going to be more attacking. But but Doyle Hayes is certainly that kind of number six, as they say, in modern football. So um, I think mm. Tam Corsa came out and said this week that he's someone that he'd, he looked at when he was doing opposition analysis for the first team and, and doing recruitment reports and a player he'd, he'd recommended to the club um, in, in his previous role. So... Um, no surprise that he's he's looking to bring him in now. Um, certainly been some interest from down south as well. He's a he's a talented young guy. Um, someone have put an offer on the table as well. So it'll be interesting to see how that one pans out. Um, another name, um, Liam Kelly, former uh, Scotland under twenty one goalkeeper. He was on loan at Motherwell from QPR last season. Bear is a goalkeeper, so I'm going to come to you. Mm-hmm. I suppose this name's popping up. Um, with with Benjamin Segrist in mind, you know, he's lots of yeah. speculation of him uh, potentially leaving the club, Ipswich are supposedly interested in him. Um, Liam Kelly wouldn't be a bad replacement though, would he? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know too much about him, but um, yeah, it looks like United are trying to preempt something here, aren't they? They're, are, are they're going to make sure they've got all the bases covered just in case Segrist, uh, you know, leaves. Well, the last thing you want to do is, you know, have Segrist, you know, just moving out on the first day of the new season and, and, and they're stuck. It'll be interesting to see because I, I still believe that Dennis Mehmet is, is a, a well-capable uh, replacement for Seagree. So if, if Kelly came north of the border, then it'd be interesting to see who, who takes the gloves ultimately. But they, they would need obviously someone in there. And ideally, you get someone in. We don't, we're not privy to what's going on behind the scenes. Um, but there is a sort of a, a growing suspicion that Seagree will leave over the course of the next few weeks. And... Uh, it's imperative United have an experienced backup in there. Yeah, we mentioned at the, the, the start of this section of the podcast, um, you know, Benjamin Segrist, Lawrence Shankland, Ryan Edwards, all in the last uh, year of their, their deals. Uh, Lee, Tam Corsa came out this week and said that they'll, they'll be doing everything they can to try and keep those guys at the club. But, I mean, that's that's a tall order. But, you know, it's, I suppose it's good to see in a way they've got contingency plans to, to be looking at other guys to bring in. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you've... You know, Tam Coates has already mentioned that they've Dundee United have clearly got a strategy in place for um, new signings. Uh, that was obviously part of his job in his previous role. So, you know, there's been question marks over Seagrass Shankland for the past well, good few months, part of the whole season mm-hmm. really, when it comes to Shankland. So, you would like to think they've probably got a shortlist of strikers, shortlist of goalkeepers, you know, centre halves, whatever it might be. And I think. That, that's easy. It's easy to put a short list together of potential signings. It's, I think it's a different story than going trying to sign them and beat competition. So I think that's where it'll come down to Tam Court sitting down with these players and, uh, you know, selling the club to them, selling the uh, the whole environment and, and what they are doing looking forward. So it's 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 going to be tough because I think Kelly had, had a re- reasonable season for Motherwell in the last six months. And there'll be a bit of competition there. Likewise, with the guy for St. Mirren. obviously St. Mirren have put a contract on the on the table for him as well. So it's, as I say, it's it's difficult to get players who are in demand. You know, it's, um, and I think, as Bear had mentioned earlier about the finance. Obviously, yeah, they have spent a lot of money, but if they want to progress as a football club and they want to get the best signings, they're going to need to spend a little bit of money. So um, I think it's it's good so far that the the investors have shown a little bit of commitment still even though they're making losses and I mean that's Scottish football for you so they must have realised that before when they first came to United so hopefully it continues 
Yeah, Dundee United uh, accounts were out last week as well. It, it revealed a three million pound loss for season twenty nineteen twenty, which was obviously the coronavirus hit campaign. As is this one probably going to be as well, and and was the last one. So, um, but um, sporting director Tony Asker came out and said that uh, despite the the losses, I think over the last two seasons, it's close to seven million pound in in losses that, that American owner Mark Organ is still fully committed to the club. George, I suppose it's a really good sign that those are the words coming out of the club. We've we've seen sort of similar or maybe a smaller scale at, at Dens as well with with their owners, like losses coming out every season. Maybe not quite that, uh, you know, high, um, but but still they remain. Hopefully, you know, the Americans at, at Tannadice are the same and, and they stick about because it's um it's it's a tough balance sheet losing three million pound a season that can't really continue. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's concerning when when you read that. Certainly is. Um, I th- I'm sure Tony Ashgar and Mark Ogren will be getting fed up with uh, that question. Are you still committed? Because I'm, I'm certain that the Dundee's owners have got fed up with that question about four years ago, I think. Yes. <laughs> got asked every single year and it had to get asked because if you're losing money, uh, mm-hmm. people question why you, why you stick around. But I, I think the, the thing that tempers it for me is the plan, I think, was always to spend a lot of money to get things going. And then try and recoup some of that once once you get up to the Premiership. Obviously, the pandemics went and thrown a massive spanner in the works of that, and yeah. we'll have to wait and see how how big an impact that that has on United, has on Dundee, has on all the clubs in the country. Um, but yeah, uh, it's not pleasant reading, uh, has to be said. Um, but as long as he's, he's still up for it, still up for the, still fully committed, as they always say. Um, then you can only take him at his word uh, and hope that he keeps keeps putting the, the money across the water and, and United can continue to move up because I think it's a really crucial time for them for as an entire club. Obviously, they've appointed a new head coach and, and stuff, but um, second season in the Premiership, this is where they need to cement their, establish themselves back as a top flight club after coming up. Uh, and it's, it's really important summer, I think, this to get things right for next season. Mm. Because they can't be throwing all that good work that they've done over the past few years out, out the window um, in the next 12 months or so. that They have to keep keep moving forward, I would say. Yeah, Bear United's first uh, five Premiership fixtures. I'm going to read them out now. That The full list has been released this week by the SPFL. But the first five fixtures, they go away to Aberdeen to, to start the season. First home game is against Rangers. Then it's St. Johnston away, Hearts at home and St. Martin away. I mean, there's no... It's a really strong... Uh, top flight this season but and, and there's no real easy games but that's quite a difficult start for Tam Courts' manager mm-hmm. isn't it he's going to he's going to have to try and find some some points from somewhere but uh, Aberdeen Rangers St. Johnson Hearts and St. Mern's is, is about as tough as it comes Yeah first and foremost I was delighted to see the fixtures coming out you know it always gives you a wet appetite a wee bit um, we do have the, the caveat of the Euro Championships to keep us ticking over during the summer this year but it's always good to see the fixtures coming out and you I was disappointed, I've got to say, that the derby wasn't thrown in earlier. Now, I'm sure that might have something to do with the, the broadcasters. I've got a few derbies yeah, <laughs> all right. over the place this season that maybe maybe a fit in. So we didn't see the first derby until September. But Aberdeen away is as near as you could probably get. You know, well, it's, it's, it's the old sort of, the new firm derby, if you, if you want to keep calling it that. You know, that was a bygone era now. Um, and it's going to be interesting because Aberdeen are a changed a changed outfit as well. It's going to be the battle of the rookie bosses, mm-hmm. shall yeah. we say. I mean, you've got Stephen Glass up at Aberdeen, you've got Tam Quartz 
and they're going to be putting their wits against one another. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that there would be a fair sprinkling of youngsters in amongst in amongst the the two starting lineups. And you've also got guys like you know you're going to have Charlie Mulgrew on one side, you're going to have Scott Brown on the other side. So <laughs> you know it's, it's that that prospect that 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 in itself is great. I'm just hoping and praying that we do get some fans into the stadium because as ever, it's the sort of game that we'd we'd be pushing up towards fifteen thousand people. You know at, at yeah. the game, United would take a terrific. A terrific following up there, but we'll just have to wait and see what what the government say. But hopefully, hopefully we'll all get a, a decent attendance in there. But it's a tough start for United. But as you've said, Colin, it's you know there's not going to be any easy games games for anybody you know across the board. But again, we've spoken about this uh, in previous podcasts. Tam Courts will be under a wee bit more pressure than a normal new boss would be under to get off to a decent start. So he'll be he'll be he'll be aware of that. And you know, and you know, the first game at home, Rangers. <laughs> You know, yeah. that's, that's a real toughie the champions you know coming, coming to town so no this is what it's all about so yeah bring it on yeah it's, it's a baptism of fire for for, for courts um, Lee what, what what have you made of the the whole situation of of, of Tam becoming um, the United manager and, and how do you think he's going to get on you know pitting his wits against some of these top teams and, and top managers in the in the top flight especially those early fixtures you know he's going to be going up against like Callum Davidson who's proved himself to be very very astute manager double winners with St Johnson last season but um, Colts has got to go and try and prove himself early doors doesn't he? Yeah it's going to be really tough for him as as just previous, previously been mentioned it's uh, yeah the, the top flight is is really strong this year and Aberdeen away and Rangers at, Rangers at uh, home is, is a is a really tough first two games. So I think as well just maybe to give him give himself a little bit of leeway that if if they could possibly go into the Premier Sports Cup games mm-hmm. and really take a lot of positives out of those games, you know, good performances, good results will probably put them in a far better position going into these first few tough league games. You know, if they were to maybe struggle in that that cup in the cup games then go into you know not pick up any results in the first couple of league games then I think he'll be under massive amount of pressure just because of the whole you know furore from the 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 fans about him coming in you know there's been a lot of um, there's been a lot of opinions put forward about why he should or shouldn't be uh, put into that role as as first team coach and as I say, I think that Premier Sports Cup games can probably help them a little bit just if they go in and do really well. I know a lot of teams treat that like a bit of a sort of pre-season, but yeah. um, I think with the, with the young players, it's going to be great for them to get a, a taste of what's to come as well, you know. And again, it's going to be tough from now till till then for coaches to get that balance in the first team squad from youth to experience and. Um, yeah, only time will tell, really. Yeah, unbelievably, um, those games, the Premier Sport Cup games, they are back in just about four weeks' time. Um, it doesn't feel like the season's even really finished with the Euros being on, but um, it's only just over and, and we're, we're kicking off again. Tam Courts will go to his former club, Kelty Hearts, on the 9th of July to to start that campaign, start his reign in charge, and, and we'll, have, uh, we'll have Scottish football back, which is great. Players are in pre-season training um, at United. But I think we've just about expended um, all the storylines we can um, talking about the terrors. So we're going to jump over the street and look at the Dark Blues. Yes, Dundee um, back in the Premiership, as we know. It's been a bit quiet um, down Dens Parkway, but that isn't always a bad thing. Um, it's actually probably quite a good thing in the summer. It shows there's a bit of a stability 
at the club um, with with James McPake and Dave McKay in charge there, getting new deals and they're preparing for the top flight next season, George. And Paul McMillan, who was on loan um, at United, at United at Dundee last season on loan from United, um, he's signed a permanent deal now. That's been confirmed. He's sort of like the first man in the door in a way for for the Premiership next season. Um, what else did Dundee need to add going into the top flight? I should say as well, Luke McCown, of course, is signed to, I, I should add that, but where else should James McPake be looking to strengthen? Um, well, <laughs> funnily enough, just as you're uh, asking me that question, I've just got a message to say that Dundee are just away to sign somebody. So That's great. So we'll find out soon. On the podcast. <laughs> yeah. So... <laughs> let's hang on let's I mean, hang on for as long as we can to get I, it on I, I wonder where that came from George <laughs> well to be fair it was um, yeah Bear came on the, well, to tell the whole story Bear came on the, the, the work <laughs> chat what, an hour ago or so saying that I think yep. Dundee are signing signed somebody and then oh no false alarm so we all kind of sat down again but I've just found out that they are actually signing somebody that they're away to sign and I can say this because um well, this will be out after he signs. So, uh, uh, yeah, it should be. Should be. Called Hopefully. Ryan Sweeney, centre back called Ryan Sweeney, formerly of Mansfield Town, former Republic of Ireland under twenty one international. So, centre back. Here we go. So they've strengthened the centre half. That he's going to join sort of Lee Ashcroft, Liam Fontaine, um, Jordan McGee in those ranks, which is you know that's that's, that's looking like nearly a, a full complement of central defenders for James McPake to choose from, but. Um, he's brought in yeah. McCowan, he's got McGowan on the wings, but um, up front is maybe somewhere that Dundee will maybe be looking to bring somebody in with, with Osmond Sow leaving and uh, Afalabi going back to Celtic. He maybe wants a bit more strength and depth there to to complement what he has. Yeah, I think so. I think Cummings will obviously be the, the, the main threat. Um, I get the feeling he maybe needs a wee bit of help sometimes up, up front. Mm-hmm. Um, there will be times when you have to go with just one up top. Um but no, I, I get that. I get the feeling that that's somewhere they'll they'll look to strengthen. I think that they probably need another fullback as well. Um, having uh, just the one kind of out and out left back, I think it is a position that they probably need to need to bolster. Um, obviously, Cammy Kerr and uh, Christy Elliott at right back, uh, and John Marshall at left back. I, th- I think they're just looking to strengthen the, the overall quality of the squad. I think that's the yeah. main thing. They'll be looking at. I think I think James McPake's quite happy with his squad as a whole, but just looking to add bits and bobs. I, I think he's got he's obviously got plenty of centre mids. He's brought in a an attacking midfield winger and uh, Luke McCowan. I, I mm-hmm. think it's just adding wee bits and bobs. I think he's looking to do. For you, Lee, where, where do you think Dundee need to maybe improve if they're if they're going to go up into the Premiership? I mean, we, we saw in the in the playoff they they can clearly more than hold their own against. Premiership opposition in Kilmarnock weren't exactly the worst um, you know relegated team we've ever seen and, and Dundee dealt with them quite easily but is there maybe certain areas or certain uh, things they could be they could be doing better maybe in the final third rather than you know defence looks, looks pretty decent yeah and I think the if you were wanting to sort of look at the squad and make them try and make them better I think a, a striker a striker you know they've got Cummins who I think's done well since he's been there you know they've got Mullen, who I also thinks done well for Dundee, but they're both different players. So you know if you can get, and I think somebody like So 
is it is it perfect to to have in that balance? But obviously he's leaving. So if I had somebody who was similar, maybe just you know a bit of a not a plan B, but just a different type of player, a, a big yeah. sort of hold up striker or something like that. You know that they're, they're going to be able to to utilise up there and it can get a few goals. That that I think would just take them to the, the next level. The rest of the positions really is just uh, providing cover, providing competition to the, the other players and. That's why I think it's you know McBake's in a in a in a good position just now where he's just got to tinker a little bit with the squad without uh, actually having to really go out and there's not too many must must have signings you know apart from from my eyes anyway a striker you know if they went mm-hmm. and got a really decent striker that was that could score a few goals for them then that could make all the difference to to their season. Bear, I suppose it's it's testament to the job that. James McPake and his backroom team have done that they're actually in this really strong position going into the top flight where mm-hmm. we're sitting here sort of racking our brains as to what did Dundee actually need to add and you know we're not really coming up with too much No no I, I think Lee's right I think what they need to do is add a wee bit of quality in, in the right areas obviously you, you do need a bit of cover in certain areas at the left side I think we obviously need a goalkeeper um, as well Yeah come in and, 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 and provide, uh, provide competition for Adam Legsdens Um a centre half, but as we've just been, and I've just been sort of check, trying to check this guy out, Ryan Sweeney. Um, but I, th- I felt that they needed a central, de- central defender as well, because yeah. as well as Ashcroft and Fontaine have done and they've been magnificent, you know, if one of them gets injured, then you're, you're down and suddenly you're in sort of Sam Fisher territory. And, you know, as well as Sam has done, and he's a real, real prospect, I've got to say, he's still a, he's still a kid, you know, so uh, mm-hmm. you need a wee, a wee bit more in there, which have gone out and done. So that's good, I think. Definitely, they need to get someone up front, a striker of 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 note. Um, we were talking about it beforehand. Kyle Lafferty is available. Um, whether that's one they would look at. A um, couple of things: how much of a dent would that put in the budget? Would they be willing to spend that sort mm-hmm. of money? But yeah. what you would get for that money is 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 someone who almost kept Kilmarnock up single handedly at the end of last season, and I, I, I believe he's still got a, a good few years left in him. Um, and I think if you could bring in a striker of his ilk, and there's not many of them about then it could be the foundation for Dundee to to, to go on and, and, and really keep their heads well above water next season. Now, I'm sure what, what Lafferty has done already, he will have suitors and it could well be that Dundee may be priced out. And I don't even know if uh, that is, James McPake would even attempt to bring Kyle Lafferty in, but he would be one certainly for me that you know that, that you know and has a proven track record at that level. There's also talk of guys like... Uh, Greg Stewart <laughs> coming back mm. to the club, uh, you know, yeah. it's a free agent. It's an easy, it's an easy name to, to throw in there, and he was he was absolutely brilliant during during the spell, his first spell at, at Dens Park, and I'm sure that Dundee fans would love to have a player of his ability <laughs> coming back in. But yet again, it, it, it could come down to sort of the budget that is available. How much does James McPake want to spend in his years? You can never have too many good players, but it just depends. Is it, is it worth the sort of money that Greg Stewart would command? Remember, the club he's just been, been playing at Rangers, he, he's not going to come cheap. You know, whether yeah. he'd want to come back, that could be another thing as well. And also the thing that you definitely don't want to disrupt by flooding the, the team with, with new players is the harmony and the team spirit that was that was mm. created in the last dozen games of the season. Ideally, for Dundee FC, the season would have started, you know, a week after that Kilmarnock <laughs> game at Rugby Park yeah. because they were absolutely on a high, they were doing everything properly. And I, I believe they were playing against Premier League teams. They would have went on and picked up quite a few points. But you, they are entitled to a break. Okay. But you don't, that's one thing you, that's one thing that you don't want to lose 
You've always, regardless of what you've got, if you've got a bit of team spirit, you know that that carries you a long way, and that's what Dundee will need in that top flight. So hopefully they can they can keep that going as well as adding to it with a wee bit quality here and there. Right, George, they were so high they were swinging from chandeliers. <laughs> I think I don't think they would have been able to play a week after that game. Being honest, with you. just a few of them still <laughs> probably steaming drunk, like you know. So. Uh, right. Dundies. I think just on the Greg Stewart thing, as you were saying, but I have absolutely no doubt that uh, James McPeak will ask that question uh, or yeah. maybe say to Greg that if you don't have any better offers, then we'll yeah. we'll certainly have you back. But I, I would imagine that his, his salaries, that he was on at Rangers, will be nowhere near what Dundee can, can afford. And there, there may be other options there for him, but I, mm. I have no doubt that if, if, he want, if there was nothing doing, then, then I'm sure Dundee would more than happily have him back and I'm sure he'd probably like to come back I think it'd be more a financial thing for him. Mm-hmm. yeah he's uh, he's good at that though Jason Pick isn't he he's good at kind of getting uh, real high quality players we've seen it in the yeah. past with Graham Dorans Charlie Adam James, Jason Cummins yeah. you know there's, there's ways and means and, and you've got to give credit to John Nelms Tim Keyes you know they were not shipping the board at the club for backroom in that way so um, you certainly wouldn't rule anything out in terms of these big names with Stuart and Lafferty getting banded about but um, you mentioned it before there Bear Kyle Lafferty um, couldn't quite do enough to keep uh, Kilmarnock in the Premiership. Of course, that was because of the mighty D um, taking them down and getting their own spot in the top flight. Yep. Um, their fixtures are out as well. Let's go through them quickly here. Uh, St Mern at home on July 31st to kick Easy. off the season. Yep. Easy peasy, three points in the bag. Uh, Celtic away <laughs> on August the 7th. Then they have Hibs at Dens away to Motherwell and then they welcome Livingston to Dundee on September the 11th before a wee Dundee Derby clash on September 18th. Um, the first top flight Derby in five years that will be taking place at Tanadice. Um, Lee, what are you making of Dundee's sort of early fixtures there? Obviously, the, the, the Dundee Derby is the big one that everyone's looking to, but some some winnable wins in there. Good to have Livingston at home, St. Martin at home. Dundee will fancy themselves in those games. Yeah, I would say those two games stand out for me really. When you look at United's first fixtures, first five uh, fixtures, the sort of games that they would maybe think are winnable are away from home, which makes it obviously a little bit more difficult. So the fact that Dundee are playing St Mirren and Livingston at home, those are the games, if they're going to have any success in the top flight, they really need to win those games um, and target those games. I think uh, when they come up against Rangers Celtic, I think anything... Uh, apart from a doing's always a half decent bonus <laughs> against them, like, you know. Yeah. So when it, when it's um, you know when it's St Mirren, when it's Livingston, when it's Ross Counties at home, these are the ones that they've got to really target. So you would like to think they'd be quite confident of of St Mirren first game of the season to to start off on, on you know as if on a win really. You know that's that's exactly what they need. They need to start off well and. I think St Mirren at home, you can't really ask for a better sort of start. Aye, all right, calm down. Oh. Um, <laughs> calm, I'm going to be happy with that, Lee. That's the last time you're getting on the podcast. That's the last time. <laughs> no, but, uh, you know, I, I, I'll be being realistic, obviously. Like, you know, St Mirren aren't one of the, the big teams in the league. You know, you're looking at the rest of those fixtures, Celtic, uh, you know, Hibs, you know, they're, they're, t- they're tough games. You know, you've got the derby. Um, not soon after that you've got to be looking at St Mon and Livingston at home Motherwell away obviously because it's away it's a bit more difficult but um, yeah you know, Dundee got, got to look at those games and think they can get off to a fast start they've got the momentum from last season as well 
carrying them in and into the new season, hopefully with a with a good um, Premier Sports Cup uh, campaign as well, um, to sort of you know hit the ground running. Um, but but having the Dundee derbies back, um, George, that's that's the big one, isn't it? I mean, I know we had them uh, a couple of seasons ago in the Championship, but this is a, this is a Premiership game, isn't it? This is where you want it on the biggest stage, and and hopefully we can get some kind of you know fan representation in the in the stadium as well on on September eighteenth. Yeah, I can't wait for that. To be honest, hopefully, as you say, that I mean, it's just not the same without the fans, obviously. But Derby, I can't even imagine what Derby would be like. The closed doors game might be. It just wouldn't be anywhere near the, yeah. the same kind of spectacle. Um, well, that, I mean, do you think that there'll be a name for that? Obviously, the last Premiership Derby had a name. Do you think this would be the Up Derby or something like that? Do you think? I'm a, I'm not going to stir the pot anymore. Than it's, yeah, I'm not going to stir the pot. I'm not going to do that. Um, I'm not even going to say. <laughs> I'm the not going to mention the, the name derby. of the old. No, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But. Um, uh, no, it's obviously a lot has changed since then for both teams, and I think I think it could be a really good game. I think Dundee are in good shape in terms of their, their squad. Obviously, adding Ryan Sweeney uh, as we speak. Um, yeah, but I think the squad, the nucleus, or basically the whole squad is is there and kind of almost just about ready to have a go at the the top flight. I would say with players like. Like Charlie Adam, obviously, and, and I'm sure Paul McMahon will be determined to have a more of an impact uh, on this on that side of the street than, than the other side that he did in the top flight. And yeah, don't you have good players, John McGee and stuff? They've got good players already in that squad. I, I think they should be really looking forward to uh, taking on that mob from uh, Paisley. <laughs> right, that's it. It's just me and Bear next week. <laughs> um, I, I'll just can I just calm before you come in. I just I just sound a, a note of warning. Obviously, Lee's got Dundee stuck down for three points on the opening day of the season against the Buddies, and <laughs> and George is going down that route as well. I've just got to say, a few seasons back when the first game up in the in in the, in the Premier League was exactly uh, bear was at St. Mung, um, you know. So was, yeah. uh, and that's where it all went. Started going horribly wrong. <laughs> They really shot himself in the foot yeah. that day. I was all downhill from there, if I remember rightly, you know. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was just, just keep it cautious. Um, uh, I don't, I don't cautious think there's, there's nobody left, is there? Maybe Cami. Cami Kerr would Cammy, be the only one. Well, Cami Kerr was, was Cami Kerr. He was Cotwell for the St. Martin goal, I remember rightly, when Jack Hamilton tried to drag back and then Jack got Hamilton. dispossessed. Yeah. <laughs> dispossessed. And, and uh, Big Musa missed a penalty that day as well, didn't he? Uh, so, exactly. George, you're bringing it all back. <laughs> you're bringing it all back. <laughs> Uh, I was going to actually ask you, Bear, but you're probably too partisan yeah. to take this question. But uh... yes, I am. But I'll take it anyway, Colin. <laughs> right? Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I was going to ask. I was going to ask Lee because he's played for both teams. But I'll ask oh, you yeah. anyway, just just for a laugh. Just for actually, do you know what? We'll just we'll just open it up to everyone. Yeah. Who is the favourite at this stage going into that first Dundee derby of the season? Controversial question, given us the two teams one street and we're supposed to, um, you know, equally represent both teams here. So I want to see a nice split here of who's the favourite. But yeah, Bear, on you go. Well, that's that. That's that's a brilliant question, Calm. Uh, at this point in time, but you know you're only going to get one answer from me on that one. And it, it, it's got to be Dundee. It's got to be Dundee. I think United are in a wee bit of flux at the moment, and, and the new manager situation. Dundee, as George has said, have had a nice sort of end to the season, and and you know they're going to carry that on through the pre-season, um, one or two additions. So yeah, I would I would suggest Dundee will be favourites at this point in time. George, do you care to um, put your neck in the line here? <laughs> As it stands right now, obviously, there's going to be quite a few games between now and then, but I think 
the way Dundee's season finished, the way the United season kind of finished with a, a bit of a whimper. Um, because they'd done their work earlier, I suppose. But I think just the Dundee are now used to winning. I think that's a big thing in, in football. We've seen it in teams going up quite a lot. And Libby are obviously a good example recently. Uh, I, I, I would probably I would go with Bear. I think Dundee are, would be favourites for me. Um, but it's a derby. So, I mean, who knows what's going to happen. And it's at Tannadice. So, hopefully there'll be fans there to make a home advantage count. Um I would have to pump for Dundee at the moment. Right, Lee, this is where you've got to consider which club's <laughs> going to give you more more pelters for not going with them. So, uh, Dundee are United in the first derby. At this stage, obviously a long time to go, lots of games yeah. to be played before that, but at this stage, who's looking better for that game? Well, I think that's exactly it, is that this stage, in my mind, it's got to be Dundee. Just from looking at their squad, the stability that's in the squad, the fact that they've only got to maybe bring in two or three guys to really improve and whereas I think just with United just now and it's, it's not a bad position to be in but they've got there's a lot of question marks over players that are there and your Shanklins and your Seacrest and your Edwards and boys like this you know and it's just the unknown really you know they don't know where they'll be in a month's time whether they'll have these players or they'll have new faces in so it's hard to judge that whereas Dundee are really settled I think if they do go and get a sort of, as Bear mentioned earlier, a Kyle Lafferty, then they could be in a really strong position for next season. So you've got to sort of go with Dundee from this stage. And uh, fingers crossed, Dundee United either keep those talented players that they've got or they bring in equally talented players uh, if they do move on. So it's uh, it'll be really interesting. But obviously, Dundee will be in a better position once they've pumped uh, something on that first game as well. Right? <laughs> you know, so. <laughs> See if you weren't see if you weren't so massive, I'd be scared of you right now. Um, <laughs> right, I suppose I suppose I'm gonna just I say gonna have to go for United, but that's that's the way I was gonna go anyway. But just to avoid a revolt against the podcast from one half of the city, I'm gonna I'm gonna say Dundee United. Um home advantage. I think more recent premiership experience, um, and a lot of really top quality players. I know there's big question marks about whether some of them are going to be there. Uh, next season but with the quality of player that's been touted um, the quality of player they've already brought in and, and Charlie Mulgrew then I think United are looking in a, in a not bad too bad position as well and, and, and that you know the big one is if they can get fans in at Tannadice that could that could really really make the difference um, but certainly going to be um, an interesting game fantastic to have it back for the city um, one for everyone listening to the podcast to look forward to whether you're a D or an Arab um, but yeah, once again, thank you for listening. Thanks, lads, for joining us, and we'll see you all next week. Goodbye. If you like the podcast, we'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it, or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. All that really helps people find Twa Teams One Street, and that means a lot to us. Don't forget to pick up your copy of the Telly Monday to Saturday for all the latest from Dens and Tanadice, or Go to thetilly.co.uk to find out how you can get the paper delivered right to your door.